Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are going into Persuasion chapters 10 through 13. Ah, the best part. Well, <laughs> maybe not the best part, but one of my favorite parts for sure. Because I love all the people from Uppercross and I love getting mm-hmm. to like know Louisa and Henrietta and like their relationship with Wentworth. And then the whole Lime thing is just like... Ah, one of the most like I mean, evocative <laughs> parts, you know, like you feel right. like you're there with them. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think Uppercross is probably my favorite part of the book, just because it seems. I even really enjoy Lime because I don't know. It just feels like Anne is in a place, even though you know she has Mary who kind of talks over her and you know kind of does her right. usual ignoring of Anne's stuff. Um, <laughs> It just seems like Anne is in a really good place where people actually like respect her and want her around. Yes. And are glad to have <laughs> her. So it just makes the story, I think, more enjoyable because I don't know. I just yeah. like all the characters too. There's so many fun ones. <laughs> I know. I love I love the characters. Like, even though and we'll get into it for sure, like some of them are a bit ridiculous. Like oh, Louisa gets on my nerves, but like of I course. still <laughs> like her because, you know, she's just so young and like i don't know <laughs> she's she's just you know ridiculous over the top i mean she's like a teenager flirting with a you know captain of the navy and exactly <laughs> you know she's just acting like how you would think she would act and yes i just i kind of love it it's just so funny and it's so i don't know i i was thinking like i feel like this book compared to all her other stories. I mean, we haven't read the other books besides Northanger Abbey, but I feel like this has the the most amount of actual like drama and chaos in it because this is our second almost near death experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one is like serious. I mean, I guess yeah. If we think of like Sense and Sensibility, when Marianne has her thing, that I mean, that is like a serious illness, but that's like brought on by her own, uh, like depression kind of (laughs) and it doesn't feel like this one feels like i feel like this people i probably wrote it in the notes somewhere but like i was wondering when i was reading it how long do you think the family refers to this as the accident (laughs) you know how like when something (laughs) happens you'll be like oh the accident and that's how you delineate time and i was like i bet the whole family refers to this as the accident for like the rest of their lives (laughs) oh for sure well i was just thinking like this seems like <laughs> immediately like the most what was what was the word just like the most insane thing that could happen like the minute she hit the floor they were like oh she's dead like she's <laughs> I was like oh okay because um, I just remembered in the adaptation we watched we just kind of laughed at that scene because in the book it's also kind of funny because he's like tells her very They're clearly, like one like, second <laughs> yeah he's like yet. no <laughs> and she's like i'm gonna jump and then just goes head first into the floor yeah and they're like she's dead <laughs> <laughs> of course Anne has to save the day once again of course <laughs> reliable and this is the second fall within like yes. you know the last section we had a fall and you know i remember we learned I can't remember what episode it was on or anything, but we did a deep dive and we talked about a woman who Jane Austen had known who died on her birthday from a fall off a horse. 
So I wonder if Jane Austen had like this idea of falls being like so much more perilous and dramatic than like an illness or something. Because I know she also had an illness as a child that she recovered from. But like the fall that she knows of resulted in a death and... Yeah, I was wondering about that because I feel like uh, I was I was listening to another podcast recently where they were talking about this kind of like British urban myth of a person named Springheel Jack. Oh, I've I think, heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but they were talking about like oh like you know it was suspected that it was maybe one of the nobility who was like you know bored and was like was a troublemaker and he, i had looked him up just to see like more about him because i never heard about him and it turns out he also died by falling off a horse oh. and so <laughs> I, I was just thinking like during these chapters like falling must be like the number one worry because <laughs> like you don't know what's <laughs> happening internally and yeah. oh, god it's horses seems must like, be super dangerous yeah, Sorry. and then it's like <laughs> crazy to think about how you know horses probably seem the most dangerous animal in this area, and women are like have to ride side saddle, the most dangerous uh, position. <laughs> I know they probably thought it was less dangerous for them to ride side saddle, but probably you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, think of all the little girls these days who want ponies for you know, like they want to ride mm-hmm. horses, and but like people, who was it? Uh, Natasha Richardson, didn't she die from a, or was that a skiing accident? (laughs) Somebody died Uh, from a horse fall. Um, Superman got paralyzed or something from a, or Christopher Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Anyway, horses horses are are still dangerous. (laughs) Yes, they're so big. I remember my, my cousins when they lived in Kansas had a horse and it was the first time I had seen a horse in person. And I was like, this is a monster. It's so big. Yeah, they are scary a little bit. Yeah, I did want to mention just as a little fun aside, there's a couple of little sparrows that have made a nest in my atrium. So I have like (laughs) a little bird observation room in the middle of my house now. That's so cool. I feel like like Snow White. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like now you should like plan to put a tree in there that has like ample branches for bird nesting. That'd be really cool. I'm afraid to put a tree because I'm afraid it would rip my house apart (laughs) (laughs) maybe not a big tree maybe like a nice little (laughs) quaint branchy tree (laughs) i was thinking of maybe getting like a stick on the window kind of a bird feeder or something that's putting it by there because when they were in there yesterday scoping the place out i was like this would be the perfect place to build a nest no one's ever gonna find you in here (laughs) (laughs) yeah you could also do um i'm not sure how high hummingbirds fly but i feel like they can fly pretty high you could probably put some hummingbird feeders in there too that'd be cool or some like little <laughs> bushes then i really will be snow white I have a secret room in my house while yes. the birds come <laughs> <laughs> just call like all the animals <laughs> anyway uh just like a little <laughs> i guess we pretty much did our first impressions so yeah. we might as well go ahead and start on notes <laughs> yes because i can't wait to talk about the recap <laughs> Me too. Oh, before notes. Well, it's kind of notes-ish. I remember in uh, the first episode for this book that we talked, I had mentioned in my notes that it was packaged together with Northanger Abbey in a four-volume set. And I 
was just thinking about how funny it is about how like those seem to be the most the two most like dramatic and crazy books um although <laughs> Northanger Abbey seems to be more you know perceived chaos yes. rather than actual chaos in persuasion I yeah it's funny it is really funny because like Northanger Abbey she's perceiving all this craziness but it's really nothing that dramatic that's happening and Anne is like being super calm (laughs) while all this craziness happens around her and she's like it's fine I can take care of it (laughs) so they're kind of polar (laughs) opposites in a way (laughs) I always thought these two books should be done together if I was teaching a class Northanger Abbey and Persuasion yeah that's a great idea they just yeah (laughs) I just feel like they complement each other so well and it was like such a great idea that we decided to do these two together yeah thank you christian for picking persuasion (laughs) (laughs) not that i had any knowledge that they would go together i was just like out of the hat that's the one manners and madness serendipity (laughs) (laughs) all right so for today's notes i thought i would talk a little bit about like the themes of the book okay and so you know clearly the title is persuasion although it wasn't really given to the book by Jane Austen, you can kind of tell throughout the entire novel that the theme of persuasion is kind of like the main thread line. Right. And probably how her brother ended up coming to this title. Especially in this section. Yeah. Like uh, Louisa (laughs) and Wentworth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I, so I found some stuff about it. British literary scholar Gillian Beer had wrote that um, Austen had profound concerns about the levels and applications of persuasion employed in society, especially as it related to the pressures and choices facing the young women of her day. Mm, So I guess she was kind of, you know, whether it was good or bad, and I think it was like everything in her works, it was personally kind of pulled from her life because I think she she had kind of given some, what she regarded as misguided advice to her niece, Fanny, about a particular, like, suitor, like a marriage proposal, and she had, I guess, given some advice about whether she should take it or not, and then kind of thought about it later and was like, I don't know if that was the best advice. And, oh. you know, kind of was, uh, you know, kind of mulling over her own act of persuasion and just, uh, yeah. Do you and know I think, what the uh, advice was? I was trying to find out. I think it was to reject him because Fanny did ultimately reject him and then ended up marrying someone else. Okay. So um, I think that's what it was, but it's just, I think Austin was just kind of like came to the realization that like persuasion, especially in that time for women was such a dang, could be such a dangerous thing because, you know, if she did not have anyone lined up after her, she would have been alone for the rest of her life. Yeah. I can imagine it's hard to trust yourself as a woman in those times. Like, am I doing the right thing? This is like a lifetime thing. And I'm, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of examples of bad marriages all around you. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this was a pretty cool little passage that literary scholar Jillian Beer had wrote. She said, Jane Austen's anxieties about persuasion and responsibility are here passionately expressed. She refuses to become part of the machinery with which Fanny is maneuvering herself into forming the engagement. To be the stand in motive for another action's frights her. Yet Jane Austen cannot avoid the part of persuader even as the dissuader. It's really hard when you're an advice giver, you know? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You can't not give it. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> I would say as a Sagittarius and yeah, <laughs> a deemed by the universe advice giver that I feel like to be a really good advice giver, you always have to be questioning your own advice. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, because Jane is also a Sagittarius, right? Yeah. We're connected. I can't wait till we do a astrology episode on like David Lynch and Jane Austen. But, you know, maybe yes. we'll have to find like a real astrologer. I mean, I am a mm, mm, uh, amateur astrologer. <laughs> <laughs> I would trust you. I feel like I feel like you know them both so well, those boys. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, it feels kind of <laughs> weird to read someone who's alive like David Lynch's chart and try to analyze it. You know, because it's like, <laughs> is that intruding somehow? Oh, yeah, yay. All right. And then just to wrap it up, that literary scholar, Jillian Beer, um, also wrote that Austin was keenly aware that the human quality of persuasion to be persuaded or to persuade rightly or wrongly is fundamental to the process of human connection and that. In her novel, Austin gradually draws out the implications of discriminating just and unjust persuasion. And it just kind of talks about how, you know, how like the power of seduction can be used as persuasion and all Mm. these sort of acts of persuasion. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so it just, I just thought it was so interesting that persuasion, like just thinking about how she didn't give it the title herself like it just seems like persuasion is the perfect title it does yeah it it just fits so perfectly so i you know in a way i'm glad that it's titled that way yeah maybe she uh you know from beyond the grave was like henry (laughs) persuasion (laughs) catch the theme (laughs) i think it works perfect Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, the main kind of, what would you say, the main, like, conflict for Anne in this whole story is her, you know, dissolution with Captain Wentworth and how she was persuaded to let him go from Lady Russell, essentially. So, it's just written all over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. And her persuading herself all these years that she was definitely wrong. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, persuading herself that he he doesn't even care about her anymore. Yeah, yeah. a lot of self-persuasion, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is so relatable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it feels modern, too. Like, you know, they didn't have psychiatry at the time, but, you know, I'm obviously there have been people who are (laughs) self-reflective throughout history. Right. But it just doesn't feel like something that you valued as a society necessarily is like right do i understand my own feelings and why i'm feeling the way i'm feeling and all that kind of stuff so right it does feel kind of moderate that way yeah i agree (laughs) all right well is that it for the notes or is that's it okay let's go ahead and start (laughs) on the recap (laughs) yes Anne's been observing all this flirting between the girls and Wentworth. 
and whatever's happening with Charles Hader. And she's determined that the girls admire Wentworth more than he does them. This is her CSI sleuthing going on. (laughs) 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 That they have crushes on Wentworth, but they're not in love with him. And that Henrietta seems to like both Wentworth and Charles Hader. And that Charles Hader has basically given up on Henrietta after like two days and is now avoiding everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So that was her observation of what's going on. (laughs) Very accurate. (laughs) (laughs) She's reading the facial cues. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's that what is that show that had the guy who could read micro expressions like i, can't, I, watched I don't know it. oh lie to me lie to me <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I, that's actually yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> anyway tangent okay <laughs> okay so one morning the musgrove girls come by to say that they're going on a long walk <laughs> trying to basically dissuade mary but trying to discourage her obviously has the opposite effect to me because yes it's just ornery like that (laughs) this is where i feel like mary's i don't know what you would call it but her just fervent combativeness to everyone's idea of her starts to really get amped up (laughs) she's like oh you don't want me to come well i'm definitely coming (laughs) right they don't think i would be good on long walks i'm the best walker they have ever known who are you talking to (laughs) (laughs) Anne, of course realizes that mary is unwelcome but (laughs) she has to be asked anyway and she does she says she admires again the sort of necessity which the family habits seem to produce of everything being to be communicated and everything being done together, however undesired and inconvenient. <laughs> it's like, we always have to be together whether we want to be or not. <laughs> right. And she's like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Henrietta and Louisa had told their mother that they were going on the walk and she was like, make sure you ask Mary. And then yep. it's the whole, Why? I think in a way, Anne really likes it because she doesn't have that, you know, with her own family. Yeah. But I think she also is like, well, they don't want you to go. So <laughs> I think, yeah, it's like a, for Anne, it's like a mixture of like almost probably like it feels really warm to her to kind of, in a sense, be a part of a family that actually like cares about each other. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's also funny for her to see just like how these things can backfire yeah so not being able to talk mary into staying and decides she better go too and that way she can walk her back if needed (laughs) (laughs) as they set off they come up on charles and whitworth whose plans got ruined by a puppy (laughs) (laughs) a cute puppy they took him out to shoot and he was like i'm gonna scare away all the birds (laughs) (laughs) he's like that's my job right I love that puppy. Okay, so <laughs> the the guys decide to join them. And Anne is like, I don't think I can bow out gracefully at this point, but I really don't want to walk with Wentworth, but uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Anne is basically trying to stay out of everyone's way and quoting poetry about Autumn to herself. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to keep myself distracted by reciting autumnal poems to myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
But while she's doing this, she overhears Wentworth talking to Louisa about how the crops are out for a drive. And this leads Louisa to romantically speak of how she would never let herself be separated from the one she loves. And he agrees with her with an, I honor you. And this leaves Anne unable to find solace in poetry for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So if I was Anne, I would have been rolling my eyes out of my head. Seriously, I think if she didn't kind of have such a fear that, you know, they were actually going to get together, she probably would. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) she's so worried when she asks if they're headed to Winthrop, 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 (laughs) (laughs) because it looks like it. No one actually acknowledges that she spoke. So, (laughs) yeah. It's like she's back to where she started. (laughs) But headed to Winthrop, they are. That's the Hater family home. Mm -hmm. When they see the house, Mary nopes out. (laughs) (laughs) And Henrietta is kind of ready to follow her lead, but Louisa and Charles insist that they go visit. Mary stands her ground, (laughs) but she doesn't want to go. (laughs) And they decide that just Charles and Henrietta will go down to visit just for a minute. And I kind of feel like if I was Mary in the same situation and I had just gone on a long walk and taken a look down a giant hill towards a place I didn't want to go anywhere anyway, I might have just done the same thing. But like, yeah. no, nope, I'm not going that last little bit. You guys go without me. <laughs> She's just like, I do not want to have to deal with these people. You go. <laughs> I felt for her. I'm like, I know you're being snobby, but I, I. I think I would probably react the same way. If yes. I were in your shoes. <laughs> well, it's just like this part of the book really like made me realize like how often people would just drop in on other people's houses. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so crazy to me to think about because you know I'm like please text me and let me know when you're leaving and when you're almost here and people <laughs> just show up when they're there. Oh uh, yeah, but you know what? I guess maybe because I'm a little bit older, so I'm used to people back when I was a kid, used to drop mm-hmm. by a lot. And, oh. Oh, you know, where I lived before, I didn't have, like, nobody could drop by my house. It was just impossible right. for anyone to get there. And I miss it. I kind of wish people would just drop by. I wish I had a, <laughs> a bunch of neighborhood friends who would just be like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> there is something kind of uh, almost like, uh, I don't know what's the word, but it just sounds cool about people just dropping by and just like a surprise. Yeah. Well, someday I want to be the neighborhood witch, so. <laughs> <laughs> Bring some trinkets. Some gifts to everyone. <laughs> yeah, okay, so anyway, while Mary is being snobby, Wentworth kind of rolls his eyes at her, and Anne, of course, catches that expression because <laughs> she catches all the expressions. Of um, course she does. I wonder what it's like to be around Anne, and she's like constantly staring at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> they're Intently. like she's, she's staring again <laughs> um, okay so Louisa comes back because she didn't go down to the haters and she draws off Wentworth to go pick hazelnuts in the hedgerow I was like oh, I wish I had a hedgerow full of hazelnuts <laughs> I know I was like they're just picking them off and eating them that would be so cool uh, <laughs> Mary of course without any attention on her starts to get ornery and goes to find a better spot to sit and Anne finds herself a secret nook to hide in 
and overhears Louisa and Wentworth talking. And at first, Louisa is talking about Henrietta and Charles Hayter and how she was ready to go back and not visit. Then Wentworth gives a speech about how he wishes that everyone had a firmness of character and wouldn't be easily led from what they want. And then, <laughs> I know, it's like so pointedly directed at Anne. <laughs> I wish someone had a backbone, yeah. is what he said. <laughs> I know. And then they talk about, that's the one thing Anne never pick, picks up on, is like when he's being pointedly rude, but like it's so pointed. Well, maybe she does pick up on it. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> she probably chooses not to acknowledge it for her own mental Yeah, she, she'd rather health. think that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they start talking about Charles and how he had asked Anne to marry him first. And they all wish that he had, but that she refused him. <laughs> And okay, for some reason, they all think it's because Lady Russell thought Charles wasn't bookish enough for her. How little they know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, and then, like, Wentworth is like, oh, when was that? And yeah. it's, like, a little too curious about when all this is going on. Yeah. Because Lady Russell wanted them to get married. She was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, fine. Finally, someone who's not, you know, yeah. inferior, quote unquote. Okay, and I wrote a rant in here, so let's see what I said. <laughs> First Wentworth was with his pointed ignoring of Anne, and now his speech, clearly in response to Anne refusing him. He must have done nothing but think about her for the last seven years or whatever. Second, I find <laughs> Louisa so annoying in the way of teenagers who've never experienced anything but still think they know everything and how easy it is to think of things as black and white. Also, right. I think she totally twisted Henrietta's arm into getting back together with Hater just to clear the way for herself. So that was my rant. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Very justified rant. I would love to have like a little mini limited series look into Henrietta and Louisa's like relationship during this time. <laughs> yes, because I definitely think Henrietta was like, her head was turned by Wentworth and she was like, well, I don't really care about Hater. And Louisa was like, no, I'm going to get Wentworth and you're going to go back to Hater. <laughs> <laughs> You've already got someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I just God. find her so annoying because because she's so young and so like, yeah. I know exactly what's going on. And I, I really love the way Jane Austen writes her because it's so right on with someone who's like, I've never experienced anything bad in my life. So I think that everything I think is right, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just that deadly combination of being... Just like at that right young age, she's so pretty and she's got the attention of someone, which she doesn't really, I mean, if she hadn't, you know, had more instances of flirting with people, she would know that she's not necessarily being flirted with. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably why Anna's eventually, she starts to soften up to them being together and be like, he doesn't really like them. Yeah. Okay. So Anne, after hearing all this, is in a right state and has to compose herself. Um, hearing people talk about you when you don't know when they don't know you're there is literally the worst thing on earth. <laughs> <laughs> From my experience, <laughs> I just love eavesdropping, so I'm a bad person about that. I I mean I don't mind eavesdropping on strangers about people I don't know, but when you accidentally hear someone talking about you, it's like oh god. Oh no. uh, yeah, <laughs> that that would not be fun. No thank you. <laughs> the party reunites. With Hater, he comes out 
and he and Henrietta are now all about each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Charles is annoyed with Mary and because she didn't go down and is behaving like a child. He won't hold her hand. He's like chasing weasels. And then I said, they're actually kind of perfect for each other because they're both on the same mental level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think about like, if he was with Anne, she would have been like, she would not have put up with any of this. This would have been so annoying to her. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think so the funny. house wouldn't be as fun if Anne was Charles's wife. Honestly, no, it, I think Mary adds a little bit of chaos that they need up and up across. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they complement each other so well, and they're essentially two sides of the same coin. And it just makes it funnier that he's like, yeah. "I don't want to hold your hand." Yeah, but they really seem to get along well together. You know, when they're not oh, like yeah. being petty to each other. Yeah, I would say, like, the arguments or any sort of, like, ill feelings they have, it's very, like, surface level. It's not anything deep. Yeah. (laughs) So the Crofts drive up in their carriage and offer to give a lift to someone. Everyone refuses, and then Wentworth goes up and whispers into his sister's ear, and she claims Anne. (laughs) And Wentworth, before she knows, knows it, is helping her into the carriage, and they're off before Anne could even compose her thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) So she's lost in those thoughts for a minute. She thinks that he must still care for her in a way because, I mean, that this proves it to her. But she knows that he can't forgive her. And when she starts to come to and listen to what they're saying again, she hears the Crofts talking about Frederick and which girl he would finally marry. (laughs) The Crofts' courtship, they say, was super fast, maybe like a day. (laughs) She's like, I'm embarrassed to tell you how fast we got together. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, you're going to think differently of me if I'm honest. (laughs) But without a war going on, Frederick can take his time. Mrs. Mrs. Croft may not be 100% behind the Musgrove girls, though. (laughs) She seems to be like, oh, they're not good enough for my brother. Yeah, I think she, I have like a, you know, because she's so worldly and she's, been around like all sorts of different people and everything i feel like she is the most intuitive of everyone and probably is like my brother's still in love with her yeah well in um a lot of the adaptations she definitely comes across as like i know about this i know you're in love with him i know he was in love with you even though there's no indication actually Mm -hmm. Anne specifically says there's no way she knows (laughs) (laughs) but you know she kind of knows she knows something's a muck well she knows that louisa is not really on the level of wentworth like no no 16 year old 17 year old girl could be on the level of a 30 year old man (laughs) right i just (laughs) just the idea of her going out to sea with him she would be miserable Oh, God. Yeah. So also <laughs> on the ride, they just show that they drive precariously. And, like, Mrs. Croft will take the reins when he starts to go <laughs> off the road. She's like, that must be an indication of their marriage in general. <laughs> they drive <laughs> like they are. <laughs> She's like, I got to put you back on track. <laughs> no, but they all get home safely. Okay, so chapter 11. Anne is mentally preparing herself to leave because she's about to have to go back to Bath soon or, you know, at least leave Uppercross and spend the holidays with Lady Russell. She's not sure if she'll be 
she's not sure since she's going to be closer to Kellynch for a few weeks if she'll see more or less of Wentworth because, I mean, he's staying at Kellynch, but he's always at Uppercross. So she's like, I might see less of him or I might see more of him. But she really doesn't want him and Lady Russell to meet up again since they didn't like each other. (laughs) (laughs) But all her musings are for nothing, though, because Frederick got a letter from a friend in Lyme and he goes to visit them for a few days. When he comes back to tell them about it, Louisa, in her newfound I get what I want face, decides they all have to go. (laughs) (laughs) being now armed with the idea of merit in maintaining her own way is how they describe Louisa at this point. (laughs) I was like, oh, she must be intolerable now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just constant eye rolling. I get what I want. (laughs) (laughs) So Charles, Mary, Anne, Henrietta, Louisa, and Frederick decide they're going to go to Lyme. They're going to stay one night and come back by dinner the next day. Yes. So it's November at this point. So this beach town that they're going to is kind of closed up. (laughs) And (laughs) there's not really a lot to do. But I said, I think Jane Austen, well, you said that she had been there. But I was like, Jane Austen must have been there and really liked it because she waxes poetical about how lovely it is. Yeah. Um, Well, page 77 in my book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was reading some of the little annotations and they were um, saying that because she visited Lyme in uh, November of 1803 and it was right after the town had suffered a major fire. Mm. And so that's kind of like the state of the town that she knew of it in. So she, that's probably why it was like so deserted. And, yeah, sure. you know, we see a lot more of her complimenting kind of like the more like scenic Peachy kind of aspect of it. Um, But it also made me think about, like, I wonder if this town also, because she wrote, started writing Stand to Tend right after this. I wonder if they were just like. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, is she just like in this? She really has something she wants to talk about. Beach towns or. Yes. They just really, she must love the beach. I don't know. But. Yeah. Her description of it definitely made me want to go. If I ever go back to England, I'm going to Lyme. <laughs> yes, yes. It's southern coast, so I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah. So the gang heads straight to the seashore and walks towards the cob, which is kind of like this big... It's like a jetty, kind of. Like a big yeah, walkable jetty. Wentworth goes and collects his friends, Captain and Mrs. Harville, and Captain Bennick. Who, until I was actually reading this, I didn't realize it was spelled Benwick. <laughs> because I've watched several adaptations. I've listened to the book a million times. but And they always say Benwick. And I didn't realize until I actually <laughs> picked up the book that, oh, it's not. It's spelled weird. <laughs> One of those yeah. weird English ways. <laughs> W's don't exist, apparently, because. <laughs> well, that's what not was the beginning the other... of the word. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one? It was like war, war, warring, warming. Oh, oh, like war- warm warning or something like that, like warmering. Oh, mannering, mannering, mannering. Yeah, and the W, the W didn't exist in that one. Yes, man warring. <laughs> There's a W in the middle. Just skip it. <laughs> so Wentworth has already filled them in on Benick. He was engaged to Harville's sister. They were waiting until he made his fortune to get married, but right before 
he did get his fortune, which he did. But right before he did, she died. And everyone has a very favorable opinion of him due to Frederick's account of him. And Anne thinks to herself, well, his heart is probably not as broken as mine. And he's younger than me, in man years at least. So he'll get over it and be happy in time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, okay. (laughs) He's like, well, if I can get over it after the devastation I was in. Yeah. (laughs) Although she never went on to be happy. So I don't know what she's thinking. (laughs) <laughs> She's like, he's a man. He can get over um, <laughs> Wentworth's friends are super nice. And they want them all to dine with them. But they already ordered dinner at the inn. And Anne gets, again, serious FOMO thinking about how all these people could have been her friends right now if she had married Wentworth. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to visit Harville's house. And when they go in, Anne at first thinks it's really tiny, but really seems to like like all the handmade furniture and all the foreign items everywhere. And she really admires Harville because even though he can't walk great, because he's, I think he's got something wrong with his leg or something. I think they just yeah. say he's lame, but. <laughs> I, I think he, pro- he probably like had it injured or some yeah. sort of thing happened in the war. One of the two wars that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> One of the several. Um, <laughs> But even though he's, you know, got limitations, he's always got something to fix or build in his little workshop in the corner of the room. And on the way back to the end, Louisa is going on about how great sailors are. And Harville and Bennick come over after dinner to hang out. And is impressed with herself for becoming hardened to being near Wentworth. <laughs> She's like, look at me, I'm in the same room and I'm not freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dissociating and crying and playing the piano. I can hear all the words people are saying around me. <laughs> but because they both like to sit aside and not participate, Anne and Binnick end up talking to each other. And she takes the pain to like draw him out and get the conversation rolling. And she's repaid by getting to talk about heartbreak through poetry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ding, we found another goth. Vinick <laughs> <laughs> is that's totally a goth, at least at this point. Yes. yes. Eventually, though, Anne is like, you are saddening even me. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, wait, you're too goth for me. <laughs> yeah. She's like, maybe you should read some not poetry. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, step away from the Sylvia Plath. And... <laughs> And then you read something fun. <laughs> and I said, he may be the first person to really take her advice this whole book. And even writes down the titles she suggests for him to read. And after yeah. she reflects how funny it is that she should end up giving advice to a man she never met. And she feared, like so many other great moralists and preachers, she had been eloquent on a point in which her own conduct would ill bear examination. <laughs> <laughs> But I really like that, like her and Benick bonding and her being like, wow, you're, oh, you're sadder than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's in a way it's like without saying that they're both like in in like a a state of grief, they're both finding like common ground (laughs) by talking about sad books. 
And yeah, then, and she's the best person to give advice considering her own heartbreak. Right. <laughs> and what's so what's so funny is that like she's like trying to like cheer him up by giving him these like happier books and there's more fun books to read and in turn he's like improving her condition because he's actually listening for once yeah it almost i mean it definitely feels like they are i think even Anne is like hmm i can maybe think about binnick as a future partner you know yes (laughs) (laughs) well there's that thing that are in some of austin's works where it's like you know there's the two people who are like you know they're destined to be together and then there's always that third outlier who you're like I kind of like them more with them. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I was like, Anne and Benick uh, deserve each other. <laughs> Although, God, like, Anne needs a more depressed person in her life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe when he's happier. Yeah. Okay, so chapter 12. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the big one. Yes, it is. So Anne and Henrietta take a pre-breakfast walk. Henrietta is talking about how great it would be if the current curate would move to Lyme for his health because she really wants Charles Hayter to get into the new curacy. She's like, oh, <laughs> the poor curate in his health. But really, she's got ulterior moves. And yeah, Anne is amused knowing she mainly wants Hayter to take over the curacy. <laughs> then she talks about Lady Russell. Oh, Henrietta is talking about Lady Russell and how scary she is. <laughs> <laughs> But she wishes that she lived near Upper Cross so she could give everyone advice because she's so good at persuading people. (laughs) She's like, I bet Lady Russell could convince him to move to Lyme. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, can you set that up or? (laughs) And then they run into Louisa and Wentworth, who are also out for a pre-breakfast stroll. And Louisa is like, I need to do something in town. So everyone is obliged to follow her since she now always has to get her way. And on their way, they pass a man on the steps, and he clearly admires Anne. So much so (laughs) that even Wentworth looks at her as if to say, that man is struck with you, and even I at this moment see something like Anne Elliot again. And I was like, ooh, I love this moment where, like, he passes her, and he's like, oh, who's this lady I really like? And Mm -hmm. even Wentworth is like, that guy is looking at my girl. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, wait a minute. I notice you too. (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) And then she actually runs into him again at the hotel. And again, he makes it known with a look that he thinks her very lovely. And this is again, and can, I mean, it's not like she's demurring and saying, no, he couldn't possibly Mm -hmm. be looking at me like that. She's like, no, he liked me. (laughs) (laughs) She's, I I like that she's like kind of reveling in it. And it's just like, yeah, I look look great here. I love Lyme. (laughs) This is doing great things for my bloom. (laughs) Wasn't there like some mention about like a re-bloom or something like that? (laughs) She still doesn't know who this man is, but she wants to. So after breakfast, they hear him leaving and are told that he is Mr. Elliot. And they all quickly deduce that he's their cousin who's going to inherit the ba- baronetcy. Mm-hmm. I can never remember. I never know how to say <laughs> it's it. It's a hard word. It's a hard word. <laughs> Mary really wishes they had been introduced. And Anne is like, <laughs> slow down. You know, dad and he are not on speaking terms. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Anne is glad that she saw him, though, and decides it's better not to tell Mary that she also ran into him in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> because then Mary would be like, why didn't he run into me in the hallway? Exactly. <laughs> and she, she's not planning on telling Sir Walter or Elizabeth either. Very uh, uh, smart. Yeah, even though Mary wants her to. But Mary's never going to write herself, so... Yeah. And like, well, she's never going to tell him, so I guess that's what I want. (laughs) I kind of, like, want to see this scene, like, played out now. But in my head, it's like, you know, he says, oh, that was actually Mr. Elliot. And it's just like, whisper, 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 gasp, gasp, gasp. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Mr. Elliot. (laughs) Okay, so then the Harvilles and Binnick meet them after after for some like last hours of strolling before they have to go home. And her and Binnick are talking some more. And afterwards, after they kind of talk, Harville comes up to her and thanks her for getting Binnick to talk so much. And he tells her how the news of his love's death got to him. Basically, he had just been made like he had I guess become a captain and got in his own ship. And he was heading for Portsmouth to come in. And Harville was grieving himself because this is his sister. And he didn't have the heart to go like chase him down and tell him. But Frederick said he would. So he tracks him down. He rows out to meet him at his boat. And he stays with him until they get back to port. And basically it implies that he keeps Harville from killing himself. Like, by being there with him on the boat while all this, while, you know, he's so depressed. So that really um, puts Frederick in a good light. Like, he's very supportive. Yes. He loves his boys. He does. (laughs) So they drop off the Harvilles. Binnick is still with them. They decide for one last walk along the cob. (laughs) And Louisa, this whole trip, has been insisting that Wentworth jump her down from ledges. And she does so again, even though he doesn't want to, because the ground is too hard. (laughs) But he does. And then she is so delighted that she runs up the steps again, but jumps one second too early and lands on the pavement. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow on her head. (laughs) Uh, And she looks like death. She's not breathing. Mary starts screaming. She's dead. She's dead. (laughs) Henrietta passes out. Luckily, Anne and Binnick are there to catch her so she doesn't also get a head injury. (laughs) Wentworth is like uh, trying to help Louisa and he says, is there no one to help me? And (laughs) Anne is like, tells Binnick, go to him, rubber hands, rubber temples. Here, take these smelling salts. (laughs) She's got her first aid kit out ready to go. She's calm in a crisis. Wentworth is already losing himself to despair when Anne is like, go get a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) A surgeon, please. He starts to go away, but she stops him and says, no, send Benick. He will know where the doctor is, the surgeon. And so everyone but Anne is like cracking in this crisis. And so they're all looking at her as to what to do next. And she's like, well, I guess we should carry her very gently to the inn. The whole town by this point is gawking at them. And it's really funny because Jane Austen is like, maybe they wanted to be useful or maybe they just wanted to see one, possibly two dead girls. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's the off season, so they're like excitement. Ooh, someone's dying. <laughs> <laughs> the Harvels arrive. They saw Benick running like a bat out of hell, and so they went to go find out what the problem was. And they insist that they bring Louisa to their house. Mary and Henrietta start to chill out a little bit. The surgeon arrives. He says that she has a concussion, basically, and that it will take time, but she should recover. And Wentworth is very grateful to hear this. And and Anne thinks she will never forget the way he said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, I guess he's she's in a assuming, crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God I didn't, I'm not responsible for her death is what he's thinking. But she's <laughs> thinking, saying. thank God the love of my life isn't dead. <laughs> and then the other side, it's thank God I'm not going to be in trouble. Exactly. For killing this girl. So the Harvilles insist that she stay with them. Mrs. Harville and her friend slash nursemaid are very good nurses. And frankly, way more competent than any of the party, save Anne. Yes. <laughs> Bennett, they're like, Bennick will move out. He'll go get a room at an inn and she can take his room. But there's really not room for everybody else to stay here because it's a pretty tiny house and they've got a pastel of children of their own. (laughs) So, but they do know they have to go tell the Musgroves because they're expected back like probably in a couple hours. Um, Charles does not want to leave his sister. But they do convince Henrietta to go back and help tell her parents. And they all, this is all being decided without Anne, by the way. I just Yes. <laughs> they decide that Anne should stay to help nurse Louisa. I don't think Mary's a part of this either. It's like Charles, Henrietta, and Wentworth deciding on this. Right. They're, <laughs> they're like, we know everyone here and we're going to be realistic. Yeah. Wentworth does say that Anne is the most capable and warmly asks her to stay. And she's like, I really hoped you would ask me. And I, I'm happy to sleep on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, Anne's the best. Mary, however, does not like the plan. <laughs> <laughs> she's quite rude about Anne being nothing to Louisa. And no one wants to fight her on it. So, um, <laughs> so now Anne has to go home while Mary stays. And I said, you can bet she's not sleeping on the floor. <laughs> No, and is she doing anything? No. (laughs) Well, we find out she's basically having her own mini vacation while she's there. Yeah. (laughs) Much later. (laughs) My my theory is that she secretly wanted to get away from her children because they're too loud. So she's like, "Ah, I have to stay. Yeah, she doesn't really like to be separated from Charles. Even though they like to like fight at each other, she's like, I need to be with you at all times. Right. I wonder if this book is also trying to talk about how much you need to be together when you're in love. <laughs> I don't know. Because there's a lot of couples who, like, if they're really good couples, they want to be together all the time. Right. Well, I feel like also at this time, you don't you don't really have a choice. <laughs> because you can't, you can't just leave. I mean, if your house is big enough, you can just be at separate parts, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they all bustle to the carriage. Anne looks at everything as they're leaving and wonders... How just earlier in that day, they were so merry. Ugh. And, yeah, it's like one of those, you know, oh, when something tragic goes, you're like, just two seconds ago, I was so happy, and now look at me. 
when Wentworth sees that the plans have changed, he is annoyed. <laughs> and <laughs> and thinks it's because she's only valuable and how useful to Louisa she can be. Poor Anne. She's such a good judge, but when it comes to herself, she's just like, I, I see that he's disappointed. I can read that, but I'm interpreting it as it's because I'm not useful in any other respect except for to be a nursemaid to Louisa. Right. Uh, she's just blind to her, her own. Well, and plus Wentworth is really still trying to like give her the cold shoulder, even though. Right. So on the way back, Wentworth is all attention to Henrietta and wonders if this will affect his feelings that firmness of character should be a guiding principle. <laughs> <laughs> like I wonder if he'll still feel that way <laughs> when they start to get close he asks for her advice about him breaking it to the parents and she agrees it's better he does it she carries this last hint that he values her judgment with her as she basically doesn't know when or if she'll ever see him again wow. and he tells the Musgroves and then takes the carriage back to Lyme <sighs> And then we have one more chapter, chapter 13. Yes. Anne spends the next couple of days being extremely useful and encourages, basically encourages the whole family to go to Lyme and just go stay at the inn. It will ease your mind and it will help poor Mrs. Harville, who's doing all this work. Mm-hmm. And so she gets this strange few hours just to herself at Uppercross while everyone else has gone to Lyme. Which must be fun, you know, when you're like the only person yes. in a house that normally is completely full of people. <laughs> yes. Catherine Moreland would have been so excited to oh, explore. And... <laughs> Finally, I'm alone. <laughs> well, Catherine Moreland was never alone in her whole life. So I'm sure it would have been like a right. novelty where Anne probably yeah. spends a lot more time alone. Yeah. <laughs> Anne's probably like, well, once again... It's like the ghosts of laughter surrounding me. <laughs> the ghost of screaming children. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Lady Russell comes, picks her up, takes her back to her house. She tells Anne that she's looking good. And <laughs> with Mr. Elliot also waggling his eyebrows, it makes her think that maybe 30 is the new 20. <laughs> <laughs> it is, Anne. It is. And is like, I'm starting to, I, everybody's complimenting me. I don't know what's going on, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that beach air. Uh, Lady R wants to talk about the family. And Anne thinks, it's strange how little I give a shit about them anymore. <laughs> Which is the complete opposite. When she first got to Uppercross, she's like, oh, no one cares about, you know, the things I've been thinking about. And now she's like, Ugh. I don't care about the things I was thinking about, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anne fills in Lady Russell on everything, including Louisa and Wentworth's attachment to each other. And Lady Russell is secretly pleased, thinking that the man who at 23 seemed to understand somewhat of the value of an Anne Elliot should eight years afterwards be charmed by a Louisa Musgrove. And I said, here, here, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Later I would think the exact same chapter. thing. <laughs> Her? Huh. If I had, like, given Anne advice about Wentworth because I didn't think he was the best, and then I saw him come back and start flirting with Louisa, I'd be thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I would have been See, right. He's not that great. If he's going after her. 
<laughs> okay, so now they, of course, have to go visit Kellynch. Lady Russell is a little reluctant, but Anne isn't. In fact, she thinks it's the kind that the neighborhood is actually better off for having the Crofts and not the Elliots living there. The only thing she will regret is leaving the places with a memory of her mother, which is sad. Yeah. And they go, and the admiral, admiral, admiral <laughs> is very funny <laughs> and cute, talking about the little improvements he's made. And he also talks about moving out some of the mini mirrors in Sir Walter's room. <laughs> <laughs> They're going out of town, and Wentworth is expected to stay in Lyme. He's basically been going back and forth from Lyme to um, Kellynch a lot. Oh, Kellynch. Yeah. So Anne is happy that he and Lady Russell aren't going to have to meet, and laughs to herself about how much time she spent worrying about that. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the end of this section. (sighs) So crazy. I know. It took us a while to talk about this one just because so much happens and it's just, oh, it's the best part. (laughs) I think it's the longest chapter in the book because I remember reading it and being like, good Lord, (laughs) there's so much happening. I know. I was like, why are there so few chapters in this section? And then I realized, oh, because this chapter is forever long, but it's like the best (laughs) chapter. So I can't complain. It is. (laughs) It is. It's so crazy. (laughs) Uh, did you have any f- f- favorite parts? <sighs> I mean, gosh, I hate to uh, hate to be a broken record, but it's another Mary part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they go to walk to the haters, and she's like, "I'm not going in there," <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to find a seat, and she just keeps getting up because. Louisa must have found an even better seat than her, so she has to find the best seat. Yes. <laughs> full, unhinged Mary. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think um, some of my favorite bits, besides, like, the excitement of the accident, quote-unquote. Right. I really like Anne and Benick, you know, bonding and her finding, like, a kindred spirit in him and talking heartbreak. And mm-hmm. I like Wentworth getting jealous when she sees Mr. Elliot. I really like just Mr. Elliot paying her attention. It's just like, because he doesn't at this point know anything about who she is. And he's just recognizes that she's a pretty woman and, you know, (laughs) shows it. And I just, I really, I like it. It's like perfect timing. Just what Anne Mm -hmm. needed. And I really like that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it was just like a, a no strings attached, no expectations. She, it was just like kind of like a nice little thing. Like, oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I guess I am the prettiest one in this party. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm reblooming. <laughs> All this um, sea air is good for my mm-hmm. cheek color. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was I was also when I was reading the parts about her and Bennett kind of like connecting and suggesting books and I was kind of like shipping them a little bit. I was reading some of the annotations and my ship was quickly sunk because apparently <laughs> Bennett being so like, you know, depressed and, you know, was going to probably kill himself if Wentworth wasn't there would have exposed quote unquote his 
over-emotional side, which is an unfavorable quality in a man at that time. I roll. Whatever. I think it's so, a favorable quality. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I still and like obviously does too because she likes Binnick, you know? She's always inquiring right. after him even after this. Yeah. They belong together in an alternate reality. If Wentworth had married Louisa, then I think Binnick would have been a good yes. backup. <laughs> I feel like at that point, Anne would have been like, I made the right decision cutting it off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so deep dive. I did Louisa Musgrove. Ooh. Because she's an altered creature after this, and we never see her again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but first, I, um, well, I guess I just sorted her, but the deep dive I actually did on Lyme Regis. Okay. Because I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you did say she, ha- I might be repeating some of what you said, but she's known to have visited Lyme three times. In 1803, in a- and in 1804, staying several weeks in the summer of 1804. Wow. I think she might have gone twice in 1804. Wow. The dramatic events of persuasion actually led to a flow of fans to the town back in the day. Mm. And the poet Tennyson is said to have gone straight to the cob on his arrival and said, Show me the exact <laughs> spot where Louisa Musgrove fell. <laughs> <laughs> whenever i go to live i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna go to the cob and say yes. where did louisa musgrove fall show me the spot <laughs> <laughs> there's a picture in my book of the of the steps and i'm like gotta look for those steps next time i'm there <laughs> and this is funny i lime is nicknamed the pearl of dorset which is just such a it must have come from See, it sounds like something Jane Austen would have written. <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> we call it the Pearl of Dorset. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also known for its fossils found in the cliffs and beaches and commercially became known as the Jurassic Coast, part of the Heritage wow. Coast, a World Heritage Site. Interesting. The cob itself was first mentioned in a 1328 document about damage from a storm. And... Uh. It basically allowed for the town to become this shipbuilding center from the 13th century onwards. And it was especially important for shipbuilding in Jane Austen's time. But it eventually declined because just ships got too large for it to accommodate them. So that's a little tiny history of Lyme. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, I'm assuming the cob is still there, right? Yeah. I mean, every adaptation, I'm pretty sure, films on the cob. They all I wonder if it's thing. if it's like the oldest inn in the world or something because it's <laughs> seven hundred years old. Two persuasion adaptations. Are we gonna get like competing filming on the cob? <laughs> <laughs> I had it scheduled for Monday. <laughs> well, Louisa has to fall from my version. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever has the best fall wins. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to watch both of those. Okay. So for Louisa Musgrove, for the sorting, I have three options. Aries, Taurus, or Leo. Another Leo choice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Aries. They like to take action and hate inactivity. 
Taking action is one of the most important steps in getting what you want in life. (laughs) Without action, (laughs) you just have dreams that may never come true. They are known to fight for their goals and to be good at multitasking and getting things done in general. And Aries will often get up early, look at their goals for the day, and start executing on them as quickly as possible. These habits (laughs) help them to get things they want quite quickly. So... Okay, okay. Taurus. A Taurus likes the finer things in life and will usually have the highest quality clothing and material items, which I'm sure is true (laughs) for her. Um, This makes them seem like they're getting everything they want on a surface level. However, their ability to get what they want also runs deep because they are practical and well-grounded. They stick to their choices until they feel personally satisfied with their results. Yeah, that doesn't really... Yeah. Shaky. And then we have Leo. God, if we have another Leo... (laughs) (laughs) They're known to be a natural-born leader who can get anything they want. They are dominant, self-confident, and hard to resist. A Leo is a high achiever who can usually set their mind on something and get it done. Leos will always use their mind and inner strength to solve their problems, and they don't hesitate to ask for the things they want and need. Essentially, a Leo will always get what they want because they just go out and take it, making them one of the zodiac signs that always get what they want. I think I was looking up which zodiac signs get what they want and how. Gosh, I'm kind of um, like Aries because I feel like she's more impulsive, and I feel like that was kind yes. of Aries. I was thinking the same thing because I feel like Leo was good up to the point where it's kind of going into them like planning and like scheming almost, and she doesn't. She does a little bit of scheming, but it's not as like methodical as a Leo probably would be. Yeah. So I like Aries. Yeah, I do too. Okay, and then for classification, I got either chaotic, neutral, or neutral good. And I do have a little bit of a description I can read if you want, but you could just tell me what you think. (laughs) (laughs) I like neutral good because, I mean, she's not ever creating any sort of chaos necessarily i mean right. you know, her fall is but you know she's not set out to do that and right she i wouldn't definitely say she's she would definitely break the rules to get what she wants uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i would say she, her her intentions are good natured so i like that neutral good neutral good yeah i think so too should i read the neutral good sure most good people are most likely neutral good at heart They'll use the law to enact as much good as they can and work outside it or without it when necessary. For some neutral good people, in fact, an allegiance to either chaos or law is a detriment to either to the greater goal of promoting good. Others are less consciously promoting good, but just can't bring themselves to act evil. Yeah. <laughs> if we put oh, her yeah. in a fantasy setting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the deep dive. Do we have any final thoughts on this section? Ugh. I'm just kind of sad that we're leaving my favorite part of the book. Um, I know. <laughs> it just seems like the most fun. I kind of like wish she had, I don't know, wrote some sort of like epilogue of going back to Upcross and, <laughs> <laughs> and more adventures. But I've enjoyed the time we've spent here. It's been fun. Yeah, and actually this is kind of, the book was broken up into volumes, and this is the end of volume one, which makes sense because 
the next section is like totally in bath and it's totally different right. kind of circumstances which i do enjoy as well it's yeah but i just i did i really love the lime and upper crust stuff and i am sad to leave it i'm kind of sad that kristen couldn't be here for this particular one but she'll be here for two of the bath episodes so yeah and i'm yeah. sure we'll touch on <laughs> the events of this part because how can you not oh of course of course the accident i mean it yeah. looms heavily <laughs> over the rest of the story. <laughs> yes. Is she going to make it? Yeah. Stay tuned to find out. Yeah. Did I already say that I really like... I can't remember why I said my final thoughts, but yeah, I really like this whole section. and It's just so fun. Yeah. And it's like, it's really cool to see Jane Austen write about a place that she loves so much because... I feel like we don't really get that much as of a like a natural world description as we do with Lime, which shows yeah. how much she loved Lime. So it was just yeah. really, uh, it's just really nice to see her write beautifully about a place. Yeah, it made me really think like, oh, she's been there and she loves it. You know, when she yeah. talks about Bath a lot, she's like, uh, Bath, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> she clearly really liked Lime. She's a beach girl oh, yeah. at heart. I feel yes. Jane Austen. She's a <laughs> she's a nature person. Yeah. She, well, she loved long, long, long walks. Yes. <sighs> okay. Uh, her and Anne do... would have been best friends. Uh, they would have. I feel like you know maybe she is a little bit. She's like, if I was a shyer person, I would be Anne. But I don't feel like yes. Jane Austen. Is <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I feel like she is very much like now. Tell me these things. Yeah. <laughs> She's like Anne without the depression, where she can just talk to everybody. Yes. <laughs> All right, recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. My recommendation today is going to be a silly one. <laughs> it is going to be a phone game, just a dumb little phone game. It's called uh, Redecor, I think, R-E-D-E-C-O-R. And it is one of those stupid little games where you have a room and you have like a, a goal of how to decorate it and you have materials that you can buy or that you already own and you can decorate it yourself and it is just like to me what I imagine like coloring books are for people where it's just very much like like de-stressing and just kind of focusing yeah. on one thing and not anything else and it's just I don't know I just really love it and I love playing it and it's one of those games where it's it's like you don't need like oh you have you know five hearts that you could use and once you use all five you have to wait for them to recharge like you could just do as many challenges as you want and it's just so much fun that's awesome so, yeah and i've just been enjoying it and it's like kind of scratched that like interior redecorating kind of <laughs> bug that i have so it's just really fun i enjoy it i always wish that i could get more into those kind of games because mm -hmm. you know i'm always like i just have my phone in a place where i have to like you know, spend 15 minutes doing nothing. And I'm like, it's too bad I don't mm -hmm. have a game on my phone that I like to play. I love to play games, but they're usually bigger and they need to be on an iPad uh -huh. or something. <laughs> yeah, the good <laughs> one about this is that I guess they like group you together randomly with like 10 other people that play the app. Oh. And 
people vote on your like your thing so it has like that competition aspect that I really like and really drawn to and I'm always like gotta get first place (laughs) so it's just it's fun it's silly and I love it that's cool okay I have okay first well let me recommend it and you can tell me if I should cut it out recommend something else because I I feel weird (laughs) recommending it because it feels like something that I should get paid to recommend because I discovered Uh it through like other podcasts with real advertisements <laughs> <laughs> okay okay but 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 i've started drinking that olipop stuff recently uh-huh it's like a soda that's kind of good for you it's like doesn't have a lot of sugar but it's got like pro- prebiotics and stuff but they just recently came out with this limited flavor which i'm really hoping becomes a permanent flavor because it is the best so I've ever tasted. It's called orange cream, and it's like uh, orange creamsicle or something. And it's like, like uh, I don't even know. It's like a delightful little fizzy ex- explosion in your mouth. And <laughs> I've had a couple of the cans so far. Last night, my cat knocked over some of it, and I was like, "How dare you waste this precious!" out with you out so anyway um if you're looking for a delicious orange creamsicle type drink try the new orange cream and maybe if enough people get it they'll put it as regular because i want it to be coming to my house every week because it is so good (laughs) (laughs) that sounds so delicious i um i've tried the cherry vanilla that you have gotten before and it's Uh really really good but orange creamsicle is a flavor that is so like reminiscent of my childhood. It's so nostalgic for me. <laughs> and I recently have been looking for orange creamsicles and I can't find them anywhere, which Ugh. is so weird. Oh my God, you should get so, some of this soda because you would love I'm, it. <laughs> <laughs> I might because that sounds so delicious. I'll, and give I you, recently... I'll give you one next time I see you. <laughs> I, will, I will pay you money for it because it sounds so delicious <laughs> i've been just really lately have been getting into like cream sodas there's a, a local brand i think it's local called stubborn and they had some sort of like cream soda that i was trying and i was like i never liked cream soda before but now i love it so <laughs> i'm excited to try it that's a good recommendation well i don't have any codes or anything for you to get any special discount <laughs> but it's Not so yet. good. <laughs> Maybe if our listeners email Olipop and say, this amazing podcast just recommended you and I'm buying so much, you might as well pay them for ads. Oh my God. If they want to be a sponsor, I will take all of the soda they want to give me. <laughs> yes. I will take the complimentary orange cream pack, please. Oh, it's so good. They have one called Orange Squeeze, which is pretty good too. But like, Ooh. I don't know. I'm really into all of their vanilla-ish flavors like fruit with vanilla (laughs) yeah well because it's like i think it's naturally flavored right it's very yeah it's only got like 30 calories or whatever and yeah it's just got a very like cool like clean flavor to them and orange cream is such a great summer flavor it makes me excited for like summer pool days and stuff oh god i cannot wait (sighs) <sighs> that's why we're doing all these early so we can have some yes. fun summer pool and not have to think about <laughs> podcasts <laughs> cannot wait um, okay but I guess that's it we will come back in two weeks with 
yes we'll be coming back with twin peaks episode five <laughs> next week and then the week after we chapters 14 through 18 yes yeah and we can't wait to hear what you guys think so please drop us a line Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at mannersmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one minute voice message on our website, mannersmadness.com. Yes. And while you're there, you could use the donate button if you wanted to help with our microphone fund so that we can come back from our break with much better equipment and much better sound quality for you guys. (laughs) Yes, come back stronger than ever. And it'll be all thanks to listeners like you. And if you're interested in a Patreon, let us know what kinds of things you would like to see from it so we can maybe implement that someday. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really fun. Let us know. But that's all for this week. Yes. We hope you enjoyed uh, Lime as much as we did. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. And we look forward to bath and all the crazy that I'm sure is going to come. Yes. Looking forward to some bath time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening. Yes. And I'll let you know about the birds next time. <laughs> oh, yes. We should have a, a section now where it's like bird update. Yeah, except for it's all going to be like this week of bird update. (laughs) (laughs) Probably by the time this comes Uh, out, it'll be June and maybe they'll all be baby, baby birds. Oh, they'll all be (laughs) growing up and trying to fly. Uh, I hope they can fly out of my atrium without a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, they have you to help them, I'm sure. Yes, if they can't, I'll just carry them out to the front door <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's enough rambling so <laughs> <laughs> see you next week good night bye